Until the end. Welcome back to another week of the Midwestern Nerds. I'm Chad Coffin. I'm Brian Stoffel. And if you're streaming this to your ear holes, you already know who we are, but let's explain it to those who don't know. We're the Midwestern Nerds. That's M I D W E S T E R N E R D S at Midwestern Nerds on Twitter and Instagram, Midwestern Nerds at gmail.com, and the Midwestern Nerds podcast on Facebook. Recently, the Midwestern Nerds podcast on MySpace. I'm just kidding. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever podcasts are found. Please take a minute to rate and review us. If a listener out there could take 30 seconds to go on our Facebook page, our Facebook page currently has zero reviews. So it looks like an unreviewed, chump change, third world, third rate podcast. If one of you out there who listens every week, who communicates with me every week about the podcast could take a second and give us a rate and a review on there, we would really appreciate it. They probably don't know about that because I didn't even know that you could rate and review pages and people and things. And Either did I until, so I think Facebook treats it uh, when you have a page and we put it as a podcast, it treats it as a business. Oh. So even though we are claimed as a non-monetary or non-money making business, it still treats it like that. So it says that we can receive reviews. So like if you go to an auto body shop and they're great, you give them a four and a half star review and you tell them you loved your brakes. Um, you can come and tell the internet that you love our podcast because you listen to it every week and we're fun and you love us. It'd be cool to have uh, some stars on that page. It'd be great. So please do that. And without further ado, let's head into the news flash with Brian Stoffel. A couple trailers this week. But only a couple. It's not like last week where we were just like, here's all of the trailers coming out. So you said two, so I'll let you have one. Because <laughs> I only want to talk about one. I know you're not a big fan of the other one, but there are a lot of people who are, including probably some of our listeners. They're going to space, Brian. Space. How far have we wandered from God's light at this point? Space. It's over the top. It's cheesy. You just got to accept it for what it is and enjoy the ride. But we'll get there because first we have a couple other things to discuss. Starting off with an event. So last Friday, Hasbro Pulse had like a fan event on YouTube where they streamed like for four hours of all the different Hasbro products that are coming out in the near future. One of those things was pretty freaking sweet. And the people who introduced this item are two people that my co-host here worships. Snoinch! Jay and Silent Bob, Kevin Smith, and Jason Mewes announced a Transformers auto-converting Optimus Prime. What this thing is, is it's literally a robot that transforms on a command. Usually if you want to convert, you have to go to a doctor for that kind of stuff. Oh, okay. This is why I get blocked on Facebook. So, Hasbro on Friday, they announced a new partnership with RoboSen Robotics, or ShenZen, a company that specializes in programmable robots to bring a fully operational transformer to life. So, Jane, Silent Bob, they got the transformer there. They're giving it its commands. Optimus Prime, Converge. The truck literally makes the noises too, transforms into Optimus Prime. The thing moves like it's breathing until you give it another command. This thing has like 60 or 70 different commands that you can give him to do stuff. He comes with all of his weapons. When he has the weapons in his hands and you're telling him to use them, they make the noises. So his gun makes like a machine gun noise and his axe makes like the shwing sound. <laughs> he's a big heather locklear fan so you tell him autobots roll out and he transforms back into the truck and the truck like drives away and then there's an app where you can tell it to do whatever you want 
without doing the command. So if you want him to move a certain way, you just tell the app to do it, and then boom, he does it. We're to that point now, right, in America, where we've found something so cool and so unique, but it's too much of an effort to talk to it. So we just click it away on our phones like everyone else in our lives. Like rather than talking to people in our lives, we can't even talk to Optimus Prime, a self-transforming, alive, basically robot, which I have a lot of other questions in regards to Terminator going on with this. But uh, it is it is pretty cool. The video was was pretty sweet. To you see took it. the words right out of my mouth. The first thing that I thought when they were showing this was, this is cool, but now we are one step closer to Skynet because we have robots that can do things now. This guy comes with a pretty price tag, though. If you had to guess how much Optimus Prime that self-transforms would cost, what price tag would you throw on that? Mm, $599.95? Bring that up another $100. It's $699. I was so close. You were. But a $700 Transformer? That's why Kevin Smith was playing with it and it, not us on a YouTube channel. That's why he ended the video with saying like, oh, I'm keeping this. Just cite COVID as a reason. No, no, no. We can't have you guys here more than once. The price tag turns me off. And the other thing that turns me off is there's so many like gears and chips in this thing. One of them goes bad. You have a nice looking statue. What if but we, how do you fix that? You know, what if we split it and we have joint custody? Like a child. 350 sounds a little bit better. And you don't have to change the diapers on this one. That's true. That's true. Pre-orders have already gone up and sold out right away within the first day. But otherwise, this thing should be hitting shelves or the internet in August. Next newsflash story of the day. Netflix has gained the rights to make a live action Gundam movie. There was a tweet that was sent out this week that said, Grab your mobile suits. Jordan Vaught Roberts has been set to direct and produce Legendary's first ever live action feature film version of Sunrise's Gundam for Netflix. Currently, comics legend Brian K. Vaughn is expected to write the script for this movie, and Vaught Roberts will oversee the movie as director following his hit work on films like Kong Skull Island and The Kings of Summer. I'm not the biggest Gundam fan. I don't really know a whole lot about it. There was a very brief period of time when I watched G Gundam on Toonami back probably like fourth, fifth grade. And the cool thing about that show was like, it wasn't like the normal Gundams where they're all sitting in like their jet cockpit thing, like controlling it. They were wearing these jumpsuits and they were inside the Gundam that like mimicked their moves. Like and the it was like, kinda. yeah, and it was very much like a, like a tournament fighting type show. So the thing I'll say is similar to the Transformers comment that I had. So we have a movie and this is simply a show or movie that's coming to Netflix. Japan has already created like a 60 story tall real life Gundam that moves it works it functions obviously not to the caliber of the TV show but like are we playing in areas we should not play <laughs> you know how I feel about AI and about how robots can be the end of the world really we want to give if there's a computer system out there like Ultron that ever happens we want to just gear him up with a 60 fucking story Gundam. My comments to that regarding the movie is, so there's a real life Gundam that exists. Can we skip the CG and just have practical effects for this movie then? <laughs> I mean, probably got enough money. The only other thing that I'll say too is Legendary is the one that's making this movie. So Legendary has Godzilla... Kong, Pacific Rim, and now Gundam. Can we call that universe together and have them all in one big movie? We had Godzilla vs. Kong, which, if you forget like three fourths of that movie and just focus on the fight scenes, it was pretty awesome. Let's get the other two robot franchises in there too to add some destruction to it. I just, uh, it's irrelevant now, but I know we talked about 
Godzilla versus Kong like last week, there was something else that came up recently that I realized I was really pissed about. We're going to tangent here really hard. <laughs> what is with the kids save the world trope? What it, What is it? Why? What is it all the time with, oh, these kids can save the world. They can make a difference. Because it's a PG-13 movie and we have to get our younger audience. Pain. Giant lizard and the giant monkey isn't enough to get your younger audience. You need you need relatable characters. Well, then let's make them cool. Not at the end of the day, the way that they stopped a hundred foot tall mecha Godzilla was by dumping whiskey on a computer board. I could dump a glass of whiskey on this laptop and it wouldn't stop this podcast. It's going to shut down this fucking billion dollar company who spent billions of dollars to create a giant metal monster. Did you, That's how the movie works? Did you not watch the other two hours of that movie? They gave zero shits about any of the human characters and their storylines. They were just there to kill time so that it wasn't just monkey and lizard fighting the whole time, which is the movie that everyone That's wants. all we wanted. That's all we cared about. Some dickhead podcaster and two high schoolers are just running through this again. Billion-dollar company has no security protocols. They're just sneaking through all the all over the place. They're just doing whatever they want, and it's like, oh, it's fine, totally believable. I can't stand the human part of monster movies. I cannot stand for forever. Kids can save the world trope. It's it's ridiculous. Quoted back all the way to 1993, the year I was born, Jurassic Park. Stop. The kids are useless. They do not matter. They're pointless. Stop putting kids in movies to make them the superheroes. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. I hate it. I've had enough. I'll just repeat what Kevin Smith said on Fat Man Beyond this week. Just give me the 45-minute fight cut of Godzilla vs. Kong, and then I'm good. I don't need the other stuff. I don't need to see Kong go on the same journey that Thor did in Infinity War to get an axe to take on the big bad guy. Like, just let me see them fight and just give me that and I'm good. (laughs) So Gundam. (laughs) Gundam. The movie's coming from Legendary on Netflix. Speaking of Netflix, there's another movie that's coming to Netflix soon. And they dropped a trailer this week. Army of the Dead by Zack Snyder dropped a new trailer. It's basically a bank heist movie in Vegas with zombies. Our heroes are trying to get $200 million from the heart of Vegas in this vault underground. They got to go through zombies first to get there. The interesting thing about these zombies, though, is that they are smart, fast, and organized zombies. They're not your typical, like, zombies. They're like, no, I crave flesh, but we can gather together and we can maybe outsmart you. And take you on from a movie standpoint i like the zombies growing and developing from a real life standpoint i pray every day that the if the zombie apocalypse ever comes it's walking dead zombies not oh, yeah. not this movie zombies not dawn of the dead because dawn of the dead they weren't that smart but my god they were fast if you were fast in real life you were fast in the afterlife they were so quick i pray that they are the rotting corpses of robert kirkman's walking dead but for movie purposes i think this makes it much more interesting and much more exciting your remake of dawn of the dead was also by Zack snyder so if you thought those zombies in that movie were scary they're probably going to be pretty similar in this movie too this time though you have dave batista and a bunch of other actors that i've never seen before guns a blazing trying to take them out you also have a zombie tiger <laughs> Which Walking Dead also did already. No zombie tiger though. Well, they did tiger with zombies, so it's similar. But I mean, I think it's going to be the same, except the tigers on the zombie side. Part of me wants <laughs> to be like cool, but another part of me wants to be like it's kind of kitschy. Like I guess at this point, I'm ready for new movies. So I'm all in for this movie. The trailer looked pretty awesome. If you haven't watched it yet, check it out. This movie is going to be hitting Netflix and theaters on May 21st. That's only like a week. No, that's a month and a week. <laughs> All right. Another new movie franchise, not new movie franchise, another new movie from a very long existing franchise. That's been beaten to death. 
dropped the trailer. This movie has also moved around so many times. Like, they bumped it to 2022, and people got so pissed that now they're like, nope, just kidding, we're going to move it back to literally the day after my birthday, June 25th. This movie is Fast and Furious 9. Nine movies into this franchise. My co-host here hates them. I have a guilty pleasure for them. I do not hate all of them. I like the first three. And then after that, be done. Be done. Don't need the rest. Skip four and watch five and six and then be done. Okay. So then seven, eight, and this one are useless. Seven was decent. And that that's a pretty good stopping point since that's the last one that Paul Walker's in. So you can kind of dismiss the others if you want. But I'm kind of in just to see what's happening because this movie, just like the last how many, looks pretty ridiculous from the trailer. Didn't this movie franchise breed an abomination spinoff of Hobbs and Shaw? It did. Which that movie was... Eh. Like all the rest of them. <laughs> Finish your just news. I'll shut up. <laughs> uh, this trailer was mostly action shots. The big things that I took away from these action shots are we have giant magnets now with the cars. Pulling cars to and from. Pulling other magnetic objects to and from. Cool. I love magnets. <laughs> and also flying cars. <laughs> cool. Do they, auto, do they have auto lacing sneakers? This movie sees the return of Han, which don't really know how yet, and the facing of Dom and his little brother, who is John Cena. Helen Mirren, who plays the Toretto mother, was shown drifting in a couple scenes in this trailer, which was pretty cool. And Charlie Theron's villain is back with this movie, but this time, instead of dreads, she has a weird bowl cut. Um, <laughs> sweet. <laughs> the other thing that was interesting that I noticed is The Rock was nowhere in this movie. So I'm assuming that Hobbs and Shaw are off doing their movie while this movie is taking place because The Rock or Jason Statham have not been anywhere in any of the trailers, including this new one. This movie is now, like I said, been moved up to premiere in theaters on June 25th day after my birthday i'll probably go and see it we'll see Suck. <laughs> that concludes the news flash of the week now let's get into our main news topics of the week going back to some more netflix news netflix and sony have come together to make a deal where the streamer has now gained first access to sony's upcoming theatrical releases which is slated to kick off with its 2022 films. This deal gives Netflix an 18-month exclusive window for these titles, with the release of Morbius in January of 2022, marking the first major release from the studio that is expected to debut on Netflix. This deal also means that Netflix has a first-look agreement for any films that Sony is developing direct-to-streaming, and that the deal requires Netflix to commit to a certain number of titles from the studio, but it doesn't stop Sony from selling direct streaming titles to Netflix's rivals. Netflix will license an unspecified number of older titles from Sony's movie vault to now stream on Netflix. So basically, this deal that Sony's made with Netflix is like HBO Max, like Paramount+, Plus, where they're like, We're going to put our new movies on your streaming service shortly after they've hit theaters. And then we're going to make you show other direct-to-streaming service content of ours. But we can also choose to take that content and bring it to your rivals. I think the main difference between HBO Max and Netflix, though, is I think Sony gave a huge injection of money into Netflix that they absolutely needed. I think HBO Max was a service that's just starting up. It's growing. It's getting bigger. Where Netflix was the, it was the Mount Olympus. It was the, the top. It was the Valhalla for so long. And it's slowly been trickling away. Like there's even been rumors of the service going away. So I think the Sony deal 
is like, we're going to continue to do whatever we want, but we're going to give you money, a lot of it, to show these movies on your service. You're going to get a lot of money to show what we want you to show, but outside of that, we can do whatever we want. And Netflix had zero bargaining chip. They couldn't say, you can only show it here. Because then Sony could have walked away and said, we're going to go to HBO Max and bury Netflix alive. I think this is very much a WB, Paramount, you know, Sony, whatever, versus each other. But they put a ton of money into Netflix, money that they had lying around that they could throw around, and gave it to Netflix to reinvigorate, re, re-energize that company, and then gave them a couple movies to say, hey, let's do this and see how it works. Worst comes to worst, they don't give them anything else. And then they just keep putting it out somewhere else, and that's how they finish the contract. This is a perfect contract for Sony. Oh, absolutely. This was, I feel like both companies really needed this deal. But Sony is getting away with the upper hand in this deal. Because, like you said, HBO Max has Warner Brothers. Paramount has Paramount Plus with CBS. Universal has Peacock, NBC. Those movie studios have their streaming service now. Sony didn't have anything. And when you think about it, all those movies that were on Netflix from those companies, now are going to their own streaming services. So Netflix has Stranger Things and a couple of their other like original programming, but what else do they really have? Nothing. So they have in, Cocomelon. in comes Sony, Come on. the one company, the one movie company that doesn't have a streaming service yet. They're like, all right, let's work together. But Sony's like, if we want to cheat on you a little bit with some of your competitors, it's in our contract right now that we can do that. Side check allowed. (laughs) Exactly. That's exactly what it is. A shitty contract. (laughs) We're going to enter into this relationship together. You and me, baby. There's a amendum A165B, the side check agreement. Totally allowed. But Netflix agreed to it. Netflix which... doesn't have a choice. Netflix is batting way out of their league with Sony. That's true. So, again, now we have four main streaming services that are backed by these movie companies. I still feel like one of them is going to shake out, at least one or two of them, where you're going to have, like, two or three big streamers, and then the rest are all going to have to fold into them because... It's like Zach Galifianakis is Netflix. Relevant, kind of big time, but Sony is Gal Gadot. She's allowed a side chick. She can do whatever <laughs> she wants. Zach Galifianakis should be lucky that she's even gracing him with her presence. That's how I see this deal, this merger. The cool thing about this, too, is that they talked about movies like Morbius. Am I clamoring to see that movie when it comes out right away opening day? No, I've never seen The Matrix before, so it's fine. Morbius. <laughs> I'm just playing I <laughs> I'm not going to be a dickhead twice. The Living Vampire. But can I wait a month for then it to come on to Netflix? Absolutely. So, I mean, that opportunity I at least is fun and exciting. We'll just have to see where it goes from there. We've been talking about this show a lot recently because a lot of news has been coming out about it. The... Live-action Powerpuff Girls TV show from the CW released an official first look this week. Throughout the week, there were a bunch of set photos that were being leaked online showing the cast in the original outfits, but the CW has made it clear that these original outfits are going to be in flashback scenes dealing with the teenage years of the characters and that our Powerpuff Girls will not be wearing them throughout the majority of the show. They also released kind of character descriptions of what we can expect from our adult Powerpuff Girls, which reads as followed. Chloe Bennett is going to be playing Blossom Utonium. Although she was a spunky, consensuous, little Miss Perfect Child who holds several advanced degrees, Blossom's repressed Kitty superhero trauma has left her feeling anxious and reclusive, and she aims to become a leader again, this time on her own terms. Dove Cameron is going to be playing Bubbles. Bubbles' sweet girl disposition won America's hearts as a child. She still sparkles as an adult, 
but her charming exterior belies an unexpected toughness and wit. She's initially more interested in recapturing her fame than saving the world. She just might surprise us and herself. And Yana Peralt is going to be playing Buttercup. Buttercup was the rebellious badass of the Powerpuff Girls in its heyday. More sensitive than her tough exterior suggests, Buttercup has spent her adulthood trying to shed her Powerpuff Girl identity and live an anonymous life. Reading through these character descriptions, I like that they develop the characters a little bit more than the cartoon did, especially now that they're older. And I also feel like the states that these characters are in make sense to how these childhood superheroes would have grown up based on their personalities from the original cartoon. It'll be interesting to see. I thought they were definitely just going to play off the tendencies of the characters from before and just kind of just grow it like, oh, Bubbles is ditzy and she's fun and cute and she just does that and Blossom is the tough leader and she wants to be better than everyone else and Buttercup is the the distant and cold and dark sister that will, you know, kick her butt if she has to. Um, but it's interesting to see the development that'll be going on and and the growth that'll be shown. The show is currently being filmed there is no release date of when we can expect to see it yet. And our final news story of the week, Lucy Liu has joined the cast of Shazam. It was announced this week that Lucy Liu will be battling the Shazamily as the villain Calypso in Shazam Fury of the Gods. She will be playing the sister of Hespera, who was recently announced they casted Helen Mirren, this character is described as the daughter of Atlas and does not have an exact counterpart in the DC Comics lore. So this is the second villainous character that has no comic background now being in the Shazam movie. I like that they got the talent behind it. That makes me a little less nervous about it, but it does make me a little nervous that they're introducing new characters. You have a, a huge background library that started way back in the 30s why do you need to be making up new characters now especially when they run into the risk of being very similar to somebody who already exists so i like the talent behind it i'm still nervous that we don't know who these people are what their motives are so a little insider trading for the Western nerds. So when the first, like one of the Charlie's Angels movie, like Charlie's Angels Full Throttle, I think came out in like 03. I was 10. I had a huge crush on Lucy Liu. Like huge freckles killed me. Ugh. So now when you're like, oh, Lucy Liu's going to be back in like the main stage. I'm like, I can dig it. She definitely <laughs> aged better than me from 03 to now. So I'm sure I'll still feel better about her than she would about me. At least I'm an adult now, but I mean, I'm disgusting. So it'll be fine. Oh, geez. Well, folks, that is the end of the news for this week. We are going to kick it over to a very timely, based around Disney Plus series, Comics Corner. We hope you enjoy it. I even had a handful of people reach out to me in regards to this character in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier series. So we hope that you guys enjoy this little bit of information we're going to provide to you on this character because we hope it'll help uh, enlighten some of the parts of the show for you. We're going to talk about U.S. Agent. U.S. Agent or John F. Walker. First appearance in 1986 in Captain America 323. Long into Captain America's run. He is an ex-soldier. He made a deal with a power broker to become a super patriot. So similar to Captain America and Bucky to get the super serum. So when Rogers, when Steve Rogers resigned from Captain America, Walker replaced him due to government choices. But shortly after that, Steve reclaimed the shield and he took back the Captain America mantle, which forced Walker to become a U.S. agent. A lot of people are seeing that after the first episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, that that may be the direction that the show is going, but we can't possibly know that. After seeing Captain America at the end of Endgame, I don't think he's coming back to take up the shield, but that doesn't mean that someone may not take the shield. 
Fighting alongside the Avengers uh, at the end of the Dark Reign, Walker lost his left arm and leg in combat, and then he later became the Warden of the Raft. So we have seen the Raft in the MCU. It's where the, I don't want to say defectors, but what would later be the Captain America followers during Civil War were held, Ant-Man, Hawkeye, Scarlet Witch. A prison out in the middle of the ocean. Way out in the middle of the ocean, under the ocean. It only surfaces to bring in new people, and then it goes back underwater. So Walker, at a point, was trapped in an alternate reality with the Dark Avengers, and he bonded with a lobotomized Venom symbiote to restore his limbs. So he took Venom in, a wild lobotomized Venom, to bring him in to regenerate his limbs. And then later he uh, confronted Sam Wilson when Sam lost control as Captain America. So Sam Wilson, the Falcon, was Captain America and went completely off the rails. And then U.S. agent John Walker was like, yo, hey man, we gotta settle this out. And then he later joined the struggle versus evil, spoiler alert, Hydra Captain America. So uh, U.S. agent played a, a large role in in that, playing against him. So... U.S. agent who, again, more spoiler alerts, your Midwestern nerds, or at least I will say me, believe to have been shown in the first episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier at the end saying, here's your new Captain America, the slack-jawed guy in the Captain America uniform with the shield. I really think that's the direction they are going. And due to the fact that Bucky and Sam have swapped the shield so many times, in in addition to Steve swapping it out with them, I think there's a very good chance that this is the case where this character is headed. Oh, absolutely. The fun thing about this character, too, is that he very much is like that anti-hero where he's always tiptoeing on both sides of the line, where if they decide not to kill this character off in Falcon and Winter Soldier. He could easily come back again, either as a villain or as a Captain America type in a next Marvel show or movie. This was a short and sweet one, but we felt like we had to get it in. This has been your comics corner for the week. All right. We just talked about Falcon and the Winter Soldier and this next topic we're going to talk about the Winter Soldier, and Captain America. And the reason is is because we have an update to the buddy bracket. The Battle of the Bros, the finesse of the friends, the the bash of the buddies, whatever you want to call it. The April All-Stars Battle of the Buddies, I think we called it. Yes, (laughs) whatever you want to call it, we're back with it. An update because we just finished up round two. To remind you what round two looked like, Scooby and Shaggy face off against Captain America and Bucky. Harry and Lloyd faced off against Harry and Ron. Han and Chewie against Jay and Silent Bob. And Timon and Pumbaa faced off against Buzz and Woody. Some of these were decided very early on. Uh, We had some heavy hitters up against one another. I think this round was a lot harder than the round before. I will tell you that two late entries last night at 9 and 10 o'clock changed the outcome of round two. So let's begin. The standoff of Bucky and Cap and Shaggy and Scooby. If you had to guess, who do you think went? I'm guessing Bucky and Cap. I feel like they're more relevant right now and they're more prominent on people's minds and I feel like they're going to be the favorite choice. Not prominent enough. Shaggy and Scooby take it 10 to 5. Wow. They clobbered them. So in the first round, 9 to 3 against Calvin and Hobbes and then 10 to 5 against Cap and Bucky. So Cap and Bucky had a good round, 8-4 to four against Joey and Chandler, but now they did lose to Scooby and Shaggy. We must have some pretty big Scooby-Doo fans that are participating in this bracket because holy got, cow. I think we got a lot of deep pulls. So in the next round, you and I gave Harry and Lloyd the push into the next round because they tied with Wayne and Garth. Harry and Ron destroyed Frodo and Sam 9-3. to three. So as of last night at 8 p.m. when I originally put the bracket together, even earlier than that, Harry and Ron had moved on to the next round. They had won 7-6. But with some late entries, one at 9 and one at 10 p.m., there was a swing that moved Harry and Lloyd into the next round 8-7. to 
this is backwards crazy town banana pants land because (laughs) there is one individual who is going to continue to ship for this friendship the one thing that our one of our listeners always says is if you're really friends wouldn't you put on a ruse and be in a coma quote unquote for 20 years just to prank your friend that's real friendship so what he continues to say about Harry and Lloyd and those last two individuals who put in the late votes must have agreed because they pushed him into the final round. Not 10 to 5 like Shaggy and Scooby, but 8 to 7 that close to push him into the next round. If Dumb and Dumber wins this bracket, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> the cool thing about this bracket is I have a lot of people that are like, well, what about this person? What about that person? What about these guys? I've been given enough feedback on this to create a whole second buddy bracket and we'll kick it back. And people have given me other ideas of other brackets they would like to see. Nice. So we can do best upstanding hero, the best worst quote unquote villain. Like there are so many things that people want to see for this brackets, but for right now, let's stick to what we're doing. So in the next matchup, we had one of the matchups, Jay and Son Bob almost sweep in the first round, 11 to one. And then Han and Chewie went 10 and two. So right there, side by side, two huge powerhouses. You'd think it would be really close, like Harry and Lloyd and Harry and Ron. It was not. Han and Chewie took it 12 to three. Destroyed Jay and Silent Bob. I know you love Jay and Silent Bob. I know a couple of your friends love Jay and Silent Bob. But at the end of the day, it's why I thought that Cap and Bucky were going to end up winning that round against Shaggy and Scooby. Han and Chewie are more relevant. They have a bigger audience. They have a wider audience. And amongst our participants in this bracket, I saw that being a sweep as well. Well, whoever were the 12 versus the three, you are the ball lickers, as Jay would say. (laughs) And into our final matchup of round two, Timon and Pumbaa up against Buzz and Woody. Another one, neck and neck. Brought us this close, similar to both of the Harrys with their buddies, eight to seven. This is a tough one, too, because this was the one that I thought was going to be the toughest one out of this whole round. And it sounds like it was very close. So I feel like a lot of people felt that way, too, because Timon and Pumbaa and Woody and Buzz are probably almost equally beloved. They're both... This duo that has been with each other through thick and thin. One raised a young cub. One raised a human child. (laughs) Stretch. (laughs) Well, you may have a friend in me, but there's nothing stronger than a good motto. Timon and Pumbaa. Wow. Moving on with one vote, eight to seven. Ooh. In round two, they're moving on. It is, I will say, from what we started with, I mean, from a bracket that started Corey and Sean, Timon and Pumbaa, Buzz and Woody, and SpongeBob and Patrick, and now we're to Timon and Pumbaa, those are some heavy hitters. Again, and the other sections like Wayne and Garth, Harry and Lloyd, Frodo and Sam, Harry and Ron, like we have some big hitters. Like we end up with Dumb and Dumber themselves. So we're headed on to round three. And what I call... The Funkadelic Four. We've got Scooby and Shaggy, Harry and Lloyd, Han and Chewie, and Timon and Pumbaa. I have no idea what to expect. I, I, I thought early on, I knew what was going to happen. I thought I knew what to expect. I have no idea now. No idea at all. I can make a gamble. You want to gamble right now? Do you want to pick? We can both pick our winners right now. Of who's going to be the final two? No, nope, this four. Out of these four, who do you think will win? Oh, Take the I, was, I feel like I know who's going to be the final two. Okay. Who's going to be on top, though? I. It's All right, so game. what do you think for your final two? If I had to pick my final two out of this bunch of four, I think it's going to go to a man and his best friend. I think it's going to be Shaggy and Scooby versus Han and Chewie in the end. I would agree. I'm right there with you. I think Harry and Lloyd have done very well for themselves thus far, but... I think they've really met a true powerhouse They're Scooby and Shaggy. That's Their loyalty to each other has carried them farther than I thought they would ever go. I thought that they were going to be first round and done. But 
again, you look at the characters and not just who do you like better, which pairing do you like better. I like that our participants are actually looking at the characters and their traits and what they've done in their franchises and in their properties and compared them to the other instead of, well, I like Bucky and Cap better than Shaggy and Scooby, so I'm going to vote Bucky and Cap. They're like, no, Shaggy and Scooby... They've been loyal. They've been together longer than Bucky and Cap, I guess. So I like that our participants are taking that into consideration. It's going to sound bad, but it's something that I didn't expect because that's usually not the case when you get to participation, things like this. So it is fun because there have been so many upsets that I've been like, what? It's been a fun thing to just kind of sit back and watch it unfold. I'm excited to kick it to more brackets. Like, I'm excited to see who the winner is of this. But I think it's going to be so much fun because we've gotten so much feedback and so much love on this. I think it's going to be awesome to open the doors to all these different things. And this bracket, for everyone who should know, we put this together in 15 minutes before a show started. (laughs) Because Brian's like, I don't want to do that idea. And I'm like, okay, what about this? He's like, good. I'm like, give me 10 minutes. And Brian ate his Jimmy John's sub and his chips in the amount of time it took me to put this together. So yes, there's a lot more possibilities that can go in this direction and this style of topic. We strutted on the corners of the comics and we hit all the edges of the bracket. We got to check something out. We checked one thing, we checked another thing, but it's time to check up, check down, check out, check right, because it's time for this week's Shadowlack check We're talking about Jays this week and not Jordans. We got Julian Edelman, Jamal Murray, JVN Clowney, and Jeopardy. Oh, I thought Silent Bobs were making their way into the uh, Shadowlack check down as well. 15 bucks, little man. Put that shit in. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, they are not. No. Jay and Silent Bob didn't make it out of uh, the buddy bracket, so they cannot make it into the Chattelac checkdown. First and foremost, let's talk about Julian Edelman. Julian Edelman, three-time Super Bowl champ, uh, after failing his physical, decides to retire. Big news, um, an individual that's been a part of the Patriots organization for a long time. Three-time Super Bowl champ, Super Bowl MVP. Uh, A lot of people are talking about Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame for this guy, you know. A three-time Super Bowl champ and a Super Bowl MVP, there's no way he couldn't be inducted into the Hall of Fame. A meme that was sent to me by the Golden Knight himself, three-time Super Bowl MVP champ, or sorry, three-time Super Bowl champ, three-time Super Bowl MVP, one-time MVP. How many time MVP? One-time MVP, whatever. 6,822 receiving yards. That puts him all-time 156th. Wait, Brian, his receiving touchdowns are 36 putting him at tied for 261st all-time. Tied? Tied for 261st. He is one of two individuals that has had 100 receptions and 1,000 yards in the postseason, Julian Edelman and Jerry Rice. That's a name synonymous with Hall of Famer. Um, I just don't know if this individual has done enough in his entire career to constitute being a Hall of Famer. If it wasn't for the Patriots, I think you stick this guy on the Dolphins or the Texans or the Packers for that matter. I think a lot of his success has come from being with the Patriots organization, with Bill Belichick, with Tom Brady. I don't think you see the same accolades or the same career on a different team. It would be hard to believe, and if I think you would take this guy and plug him onto another team, he's a second or a third option. He's not a guy who's going to be your Super Bowl MVP. He's not going to be a three-time Super Bowl champ. I think he's a guy who hits the practice squad after like five years. But Bill Belichick found a way to use this Walmart checker um, in a lot of different schemes. So who knows? I really think this retirement may just be a play to join Gronk and Tom in Tampa If that's the case, I've had enough of Tom Brady. I no longer don't want to see him win. I want to see him shot on the field by a security guard. (laughs) Oh, jeez. Like, enough, enough organizing. Everyone always thought Emperor Palpatine was Bill Belichick. I think Tom Brady is Darth Vader. I think he is the bad guy. He is no longer the good guy. I don't care about pay cuts that he's taken. I don't care about the good that he's done. He kisses his kids on the mouth, and he cheats, and I've had enough. If that's the analogy that you're going to bring to the table, Belichick would be Vader, 
and then Brady would be the emperor because the emperor pulls Vader's strings. And if you think Brady's been the one behind it all along, he's clearly the emperor because he's, again, he had his clones in New England, and now he's bringing up his empire in Tampa Bay. All right. I appreciate the correction. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Either way, I'm still pissed. My question is, what about his physical, was it so that he didn't pass it? Was it physically fit or was it like substance abuse no, or it just something physically else? physically fit. They're like, this is the bar that you need to hit. You didn't hit that bar. You're on your way. He could have chose to work and get back to that level and then come back, but at the point in his career, which is to be fair, even though I don't think it's a hall of fame career is a great career. Like he can walk away from that very proud of what he did. And I think that's where he was at. He said, okay, I can be done now. From an outside point of view, I view that that's probably the case. Then I don't see this guy getting back into shape during this season to then come to Tampa next season. I could be off. Gronk was off for two years, bro. Gronk was also in like WWE and was still like, physically fit like still doing stuff this guy wasn't even physical enough to make the cut if he would have still been physical made the cut and then been like you know what nah i'm out then maybe i would be like oh all right maybe he's saying he's retiring so you can go be with brady but if he's like quarantine beer gut like the rest of us like i don't see i don't see him getting back up to that especially if he's got the career that you say that he does behind them. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Furious channel I checked out if that happens. A classic Midwestern nerd uh, catchphrase. We'll just have to wait and see. <laughs> the next J on our tour of J's in the channel I checked out is Jamal Murray, 24 year old who has been hobbled by injuries this year. He's averaging 21.2 points, four rebounds, and 4.8 assists. Tore the ACL on his left knee. He's out for the season. The kid has looked really, really good. And unfortunately, these things happen. We've seen it more than once in the NFL season last year. We saw a lot of knee injuries to take players down, and it happens in basketball. The worst part, too, is a non-contact injury uh, during the game against Golden State. He's facing off against Steph Curry. It looked a couple steps, a cut move, and then he fell by himself, and that was that. Coach runs onto the court, calls the medical staff on, and, and that's that. There's not really a lot to say. Poor young kid, 24 years old, really making his way in the league, and now he's going to have to sit for the rest of the year. Prayers up to this kid. Hopefully he can come back next year and come out firing because it's the way the world works, right? I know from experience that that sucks. Junior year, high school football, I also tore my ACL in my left knee. Non-contact injury. It was contact, but it was – Ref blew the whistle because of a penalty before the ball was snapped. I stood up. Defensive guy cut me. Boom. Out goes my knee. In a JV game that I was filling in for when I was already on varsity, because our school was so small, we couldn't fully fill our JV team. You have a name? We'll hunt this guy down. (laughs) Does he have kids? He went to high school in Manawa, Wisconsin. All right, we'll find him. <laughs> On to the next J, Jadavian Clowney. Seahawks last year on to a different color this year. The Browns signed the former first rounder to a one-year deal worth up to $10 million. There is a lot of talent on that defensive line now. We'll have to wait and see what happens. It's the same thing as the offense. There's a lot of talent there, but they haven't been able to put part A into slot B and make it work. Sounds like they need the right leader, the right coach to kind of bring this whole thing together. We'll have to see. They bounced a lot of leadership out of there uh, recently trying to make it work. Baker Mayfield, is he the guy? Is he not the guy? I think this is a really big season to tell. They bring in a lot of talented guys. You draft a Nick Chubb, you bring in a Kareem Hunt. You bring in uh, Jarvis Landry and and OBJ, Odo Beckham Jr., this defense they put together, like you had a different quarterback in there with the right leadership, maybe would change a lot of things. But I guess we're really just going to have to wait and see. The bummer here is that 10 mil was enough to get him to go to the Browns, where maybe 11 mil would have been enough to keep him in Seattle because we really appreciated having him. But it is what it is. If somebody waved $10 million in my face and said, hey, come be a Brown for a year, I'd be like, all right. 
$10 million to be a turd. Anyways, on to the next J and the final J of the Chattelock Chattown is Jeopardy, the Aaron Rodgers update. He's currently hosting his second week of Jeopardy. The one thing I found that was very funny this week is Aaron Rodgers reads the question. He goes, in the 1960s, these Midwesterners, not Midwestern nerds, earned five NFL championship trophies. He's like, uh, the Green Bay Packers? His hands are outstretched. And they kind of laugh and he goes, yes, go again, I guess. And the next guy picks a question and he says, uh, they swept over the NBA, winning the title every year from 1959 to 1966. And one of the individuals answers, uh, what is the boss of Celtics? Aaron goes, oh, you know that one. Okay, whatever. And they move on to the next one. <laughs> So, Aaron, you know, they bring on these celebrities. They get trolled from time to time, like we talked about last week. Like, who is a guy who wanted to make the, you know, kick the field goal? Yeah. And now this, um, it's all fun and games. Uh, Aaron even shared a tweet uh, this week, like, this is my Jeopardy podium. and has all, like, the questions on there and all his – he has, like, just a ton of, like, sticky notes and all these different things to, like, remember how to do it. But uh, huge uh, props to him and a ton of good, really, really good comments, good feedback. Uh, coming to him, have, having done a very, very good job on Jeopardy. It's hard, even as a celebrity fill-in host, to fill in for the late, great Alex Trebek uh, while they're on their hunt for a permanent host. But it's something that Aaron is really – he loves. He loves Jeopardy. He always has. He was on it as a contestant before for Celebrity Jeopardy and now as a host. Um, it's really cool to see him getting involved in that. And hopefully they find somebody down the road that could be – I don't want to say the next Alex Trebek, but – the prodigy that could be uh, someone who takes over. As he stated last week, if they do decide that they really like him, he's figured out a way to do both football and host. So the fact that he's put so much preparation into just these two weeks and then has figured out that he could do both and figured out his game plan to do it clearly tells me that the guy really wants to do it. So... If the powers that be decide also, I mean, I'll power to them. If I'm Aaron Rodgers, I know for a fact the Packers are not winning a Super Bowl next year. I retire right now, and I just take over Jeopardy. (laughs) Could you imagine that? Two-time MVP Super Bowl winner and now Jeopardy host for the next 40 years until he dies? Like, that would be crazy. Could you? Nothing. Life well spent. Oh, (laughs) hello. Uh, Olivia Munn, Danica Patrick, and now Shailen Woodley. Like, it's pretty good. Good life. <laughs> Tons of money. All right. We checked in, and now we're going to check out. That was your channel I checked on for the week. And now we're going to head into the best stuff to round out this amazing podcast as we do every week. I'm going to talk about something that isn't old, but isn't new but isn't uh, super current. My wife and I have reached back into the depths of the Hulu archives and we started watching Sons of Anarchy again. Sons of Anarchy is a show that I got told so many, so many times to watch. You're going to love it. You'll like it. And I kept turning it away and I finally watched it and I did love it. And now on my third, I think maybe fourth time through, I'm picking up on even more stuff throughout the show that I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Oh, that's so you know, having different opinions about stuff. It's very timely, as last Saturday was Charlie Hunnam, uh, Jax Teller's 40th birthday. It's crazy to think that that sexy, blonde-haired, goateed individual is now 40 years old because the way he looks at 40 and I look at 27 really depresses me. Um, It is a show, if you have not watched before, it is up there in the archives of phenomenal TV with... Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad. It, it is a great TV show, top to bottom. If you're like, oh, motorcycle gangs, that's not for me, give it a chance. It's not all about that. It's not all. There are so many different levels to this show. Everybody can enjoy it. I mean, when I first started watching, I was like, oh, there's no way my wife will like this. But absolutely all in. Just really enjoys it. Uh, and she was the one who even suggested we go back to it again and rewatch it and could not be happier. You can watch the show again and again and again and not only enjoy it just as much as the first time, but get more out of it every single time you watch it. So I would highly recommend it. If you haven't watched Sons of Anarchy before, please seek it out. It's on Hulu. If all the seasons on there, Hulu right now is dirt cheap. And on top of that, if you go through Disney Plus, you pay like 15 bucks a month for ESPN Plus, 
Hulu Plus and Disney Plus, all of them together. So you can get everything you want. If you're in Disney Plus right now, it's only like an extra three bucks to add Hulu and ESPN Plus. It's crazy. Get on there. Watch it. It's totally worth it. My co-host would absolutely agree. I was going to say you're welcome because I was the one that finally pushed you to watch it. I think it was because I was watching it at the time when we were living together. And I think I was watching it in the living room and you were finally just sitting down and watching a couple episodes and we're like, this is pretty good. Like, I want to go back and revisit it. And then I think that's what we did was we went back and I I joined you in a couple of those episodes, but you went hard on a lot of that stuff. I'd I'd come home from work when you'd have the day off and I'd be like, oh, what'd you do today? Oh, I watched a season and a half of Sons. I'm like, oh, great. (laughs) Welcome to the club. Where are we now? My best stuff of the week is going to somewhat mirror my best stuff of last week. I've been very much into Power Rangers World as of recently because of my best stuff of the week, which is Power Rangers Heroes of the Grid. This is a board game that you can play up to two to six players, depending on if you have expansions or not. But this is basically Power Rangers, the TV show in a board game. You have four different uh, sectors that are very reminiscent of Power Rangers, the Mighty Morphin ones. If you have the base game, you have Angel Grove High, you have Ernie's Juice Bar, you have the park, and then you have the Industrial District. And each round, there is is a swarm of putties that are launched out into each of these sectors. There are monsters that are in the later rounds of the game and you and your fellow co-players are the Rangers working together to take out all these baddies to clean up Angel Grove. This game is a lot of fun. I know a lot of people are used to the very competitive board games, but this is one where you are actually working together to accomplish a common goal. So you can choose between each of the five Rangers if you have the original core pack. They have expansions for like the Tommy Oliver expansion pack where you can be all the different versions of Tommy, the White Ranger, the Green Ranger, um, Zeo and Turbo Red, and Dino Thunder Black. You can... Now, when you say you get to pick, do you random pick or do we get to pick our colors? You can pick because each ranger has their own set of abilities and moves. Oh, it doesn't matter. Red. I don't care. He could have no abilities. Red. <laughs> red every time. Jason, red every time. But the fun thing about it, too, is that it's so well thought and developed where, like, the red ranger, Jason hit most of his moves and abilities are very leadership like hey i'm gonna take the charge here i'm gonna assist you over here i can give you this i can do this to help you out here zach the black ranger he's very powerful like he's got a lot of range and a lot of moves that he's the hip-hop kiddo his his card is hip-hop keto but it's it's funny because it looks like hip-hop kiddo So he's the hip-hop kiddo that can branch his attacks out to different, more than just one person. Mm -hmm. Kimberly, with her bow and arrow, can sight in on, like, one particular person or things. Billy, being the smart one, you can go through your deck and rearrange stuff and look ahead and kind of be the strategic planner. And and Trini has the one-two punch, since she's got both of her... Her weapons, she can do one hit, and then she can follow it up with another with a lot of her stuff. So she's very powerful. This game is, since Power Rangers lore is so expansive, this game can also be so expansive. They've already released Zeo expansions. They've released a numerous amount of different villain expansions. They're going into other properties of Power Rangers, like Space. They have an expansion. They have the Shattered Grid expansion. Just so many different things to add to the components of this game. And I can't recommend it enough. So I've been trying to convince my co-host for the past three weeks, going on a month. It's not about convincing. (laughs) Time is an enigma, an enigma that we all struggle with. So the Golden Knight and myself have to try to find 
some time to, if it comes down to it, hog tie my co-host here down to a chair so that we can all sit around and play this game. Played a few rounds with my girlfriend a few weekends ago. It's a lot of fun. It's really challenging. There, it's not one of those games where it's like, oh, we can do 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 to the finish line. It's like you have a fifty percent success ratio at this point, where it's oh, like fifty, where it's like, oh, we're gonna lose. <laughs> so yeah, this game is a lot of fun. I can't recommend it anymore. Power Rangers, Heroes of the Grid, check it out. You won't regret it. Well, folks, you had a lot of movie trailers. Two of them. One that mattered, one that didn't. We talked about John Walker and the results of the buddy bracket of round two. And then we talked to the channel I checked down of the four J's. We gave you our best off. And now it's time to give you the outro. We are, as always, your Midwestern nerds. That's M-I-D-W-E-S-T-E-R-N-E-R-D-S on Twitter, Instagram, at Gmail, on Facebook, Apple and Spotify for podcasts and wherever else you listen to podcasts, we are there. Please remember to rate and review us. And remember, like I asked before, please somebody take the time to hit Facebook and give us that love and the five stars on there. So everyone sees that on Zuckerberg's homepage. And if you want to take part in the final two rounds of the buddy bracket, it's not just the selected few listeners that were taking their results for if you want to participate if you want to be a part of it you've been enjoying this and you're like i want in i want my vote to count go to our socials reach out to us any way that you can let us know who your picks are and we will include those into our results of the bracket we want you via instagram facebook text email smoke signal we want everyone to be a part of the buddy bracket because it has been a lot of fun for a lot of people. Brian, unfortunately, this is it. It's so hard to say goodbye. But we will. And for your Midwesterners, I'm Chad Coffin. And I'm Brian Stoffel. And whether it's beer, brats, comics, or pops, keep, keep it, it nerdy. nerdy.